Good morning and welcome back to another edition of To The Point Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Noah Warren. Uh, it's a rare Sunday edition of To The Point, but uh, obviously Canada playing last night. I wanted to jump on here, talk about uh, the game that wasn't much of a game, but just give you some insight into my thinking of how they're playing. And also just talk about uh, some NFL action last night, some cr- a crazy game that the nightcap yesterday of the three games we saw. But to start, I hope you guys all had a great Christmas. Um, you know, obviously just, you know, a COVID Christmas, it was different, but it was good just seeing, you know, my parents and being around them and, and my dog. And, you know, you really appreciate the people that you see all the time. And I think you're, it was just really, it was great for me to be, to be around them and uh, be able to watch some sports, which is what I love to do. So uh, I can't complain about my Christmas. I hope you guys all had a great one as well, but uh, yeah, December 25th this year, the world junior started. It always has started on Boxing Day. It's the first time ever that it started on Christmas Day. Uh, obviously, Canada did not play till last night, but um, we did see the United States fall to Russia in day one. Uh, an upset, in my opinion. I, I think the U.S. is the second best team in the tournament, still behind Canada. Um, and we've seen uh, Slovakia beat the Swiss on day one, and uh, a couple, you know, real beatdowns yesterday with uh, Sweden beating the Czech six one. States beating Austria 11, nothing. And obviously the Canada game, but for kids that haven't played since March, I got to say, I'm very impressed. I think we've seen some sloppy play, but for all in all, I can't, I can't complain. I mean, they haven't played since March. I think a lot of people say, Oh, they'll just jump right in. It'll be easy. Well, I think when the NHL starts, we're going to see some erratic hockey too, because every NHL season, when it starts, the games are seven, six. And that's because defensive systems, you just haven't developed them yet, or goaltending just isn't where it has to be. And to look at some of these goaltending performances, uh, we've seen some bad ones. You know, Spencer Knight, a first-round pick of the Florida Panthers, who's playing for the United States, he struggled against Russia. He was yanked after three goals. He did not look good. But I look at the Austrian goaltender last night. They lost 11 nothing, but they're so undermanned. They only had 10 shots for the game. He made 34 of his first 35 saves. He kept it a game until the midway point of the second period. And, you know, they, they got Austria got a shot 65 to 10. And, but, you know, I got to give credit to these goaltenders that have came in for Canada, Devin Levi, you know, he got uh, his final scrimmage against the uh, team Canada split up the roster. So they played against each other. He got a 36 save shutout. He got a shutout against Russia in the prelims and he let in uh, one goal last night. So, some strong goaltending performances. Normally, we don't see that earlier year, uh, early in seasons. So credit to these goaltenders that have come out and played well. I thought, you know, Yaroslav Askarov actually played well for Russia. He's very erratic in the net. If you can watch Russia, I, w- I would just recommend it just to watch Askarov. I mean, he's a fun, he's a fun watch just because he's so. And he reminds me of a Grant Fuhrer, or Ron Hextall, in that he's n- never afraid to play the puck sometimes to his own detriment, but he's always going to be acrobatic. He's always doing something in the net, and that makes it very fun to watch. So a scar off first-round pick of the National Predators this past draft, um, I think he can really tune his game. I think they could have a really great goaltender for the future. I still think he needs to work on some structural things, but when you have a tournament, when you only have so many games to watch, tune in, tune, tune in to watch a scar off because he's fun. That's all I, uh, you know, Russian got the win. 
they play, they play the Czech Republic this evening. So Askarov's a fun watch. So if you got the time, watch watch the Russian games just to see what Askarov brings to the table night in and night out. But shifting to the game, you know, the feature game, Team Canada. They're playing Germany. Germany's coming off a back-to-back where they lost to Finland 6-3. They only had 14 skaters. A gutsy performance. A really a gutsy performance by the Germans. You could tell at the end of the finish, the Finland game, they were dead tired. Dead tired. And I got to give them credit. They brought it. They brought it that game. And I think they ran out of gas and they didn't really have, you know, they're missing some key players. They're missing their number one goaltender because he had COVID before they came over. They're missing a first round pick, Lucas Reichel, first round pick to the Calgary Flames. He wasn't able to come. And one of their top defensemen. And they have 14 skaters. I mean, it, you're playing against Canada last night with one of their most talented rosters that they've ever brought to the World Junior Hockey Championship with every forward selected being a first round pick. It's, 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 they were, they were going to lose regardless. And the score really was indicative, was not indicative of their talent level. Because I think if they brought their regular roster to a normal tournament where there's no COVID and no bullshit, I think they finished third in this group. You know, Canada would finish first, Finland, then I'd see Germany, then probably Slovakia, and then Switzerland. You know, Germany with two really great players, which Tim Stutzla and John Jason Paterka, a second-round pick of the Buffalo Sabres. You know, they both bring a lot to the table. Uh, Paterka's got an excellent shot. Stutzla's just a very creative player. And, you know, if they had some any kind of goaltending last night, I think it could have been better. But, you know, it just would have been a different tournament for them. But looking at last night's game, obviously the big headline is Canada defeats Germany 16-2. to uh, Probably should have been 15-2. to uh, they, counted a, they counted a Peyton Krebs goal at the end of the first period, which the time expired. I don't know how that counted. And I'm rooting for Canada to win. Like I've made it clear on this podcast, Team Canada is the only team that I root for. I, I want them to win every game. I want them to win the gold medal. When, when this tournament's over, I have no fandom again until, you know, next year, the Olympics, what have you. I don't, so, but I don't like to see, this is, I'm going to go on from the tangent, but video replay is, it's so terrible. You know, if you're going to do video replay, which clearly the NHL, these sports leagues want to do, which if you want to do it, more power to you. It fucking sucks, but okay. But at least get the call right, which they don't half the time. They take 10 minutes and they come back and say, oh, no, no, it's no goal. Or it's a goal. Like time expired. TSN showed you the 0 and they come out and say it's a goal. And Germany, at the time, it's 3 nothing. They're so deflated. It makes it 4 nothing at the end of the first. I think it, had a, it surely did not help their chances moving forward. I don't think it would have been 16-2. I think it was a really deflating goal for them because it shouldn't have counted. And video replay – It kills the flow of the game. It's killing college football. College football, they review everything. And it's really, it kills the flow of a game. And and the NHL could be in risk of doing this because I don't know what, the NHL hockey, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Because at least get the call right. The offside rule is so stupid to me. If you cannot have competent linesmen that can do the job, then fire them. Have somebody competent that can look at the line and say, okay, is he offside, onside? 
I'd rather have that than have a stoppage and then, then look through every angle and slow it down because that's not hockey. You had to slow it down three times before you made a decision. Make a decision using the eye test or let's bring in somebody that can do it or have an eye in the sky or something because this video replay is a joke and it should leave the game. It's like the shootout. It's bad for, it's bad for the league. It's bad for sports. I hate the shootout more than anyone. If you ask my friends, they probably, they probably like me a little bit, but they really start to dislike me when I talk about the shootout because it's just, I, I could go off for hours about it. And that's that, that goal. You know, I, it's just frustrating because obviously Canada won. They're going to win that game regardless. 15-2, 16-2, who gives a shit? But the video replay and these officials that need to come together and then put the headset on. Uh, goaltender interference reviews is the same, same thing. Now, goaltenders are so protected nowadays, it's crazy. You breathe on them and it's no goal. It, it's, it's ridiculous. But that's just a little tangent for the day. I, I hate video replay. I hate the shootout. So that's clear now for the podcast. But Big, big things from Canada last, obviously 16 to two. So I'm not going to critique them that much, but I will say a couple things. Bowen Byram, he's really their top defenseman coming into the tournament. He's, he played number four. He wore the C last night, top D pair with Jamie Drysdale. He struggled last night. And, you know, it's this thing I like, I talk about with these so-called great defensemen and these great offensively minded, offensive minded defensemen are very good. Don't get me wrong. They're going to win Norris trophies, whether they deserve it or not, they're going to win them and they'll get the press and they'll get the publicity, but he's terrible defensively. And he reminds me an awful lot of a player that I, I never liked is Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson is a defensive liability and he will be until the day he retires. And when you have an offensive mind defenseman, who really just doesn't think about the other end, it's tough. And Jamie Drysdale is offensive-minded too. And I think that D pair could be really problematic going forward because Byram, he gave a two-on-one, turned the puck over. He, I'll give to his credit, he turned the puck over late in the, late in the second period. He backtracked, so he got back there. But he just takes too many unnecessary risks when I don't think he has to. He's, you know, last night, just make simple plays. And when you have a chance to go on a rush, go for it, but make sure that you have somebody back that can protect you. That's something I think that's missing from the game. When I played and I, I played rec hockey, I was not, you know, this wasn't, this isn't breaking news. When you see a defenseman jump up, have somebody play back. And I always did that. If I saw a defenseman go, I'm not, I couldn't skate. I suck skating backwards, but at least you have somebody there to get in somebody's way and it's not an odd man rush the other way. So I think Byram, he just had a tough, tough game last night. He, he kind of plays erratic sometimes. I don't call, I think he'll be a great NHL player. Don't get me wrong. I just think it's one game. He has, again, he hasn't played in forever like these other players, but I think he was the worst defenseman on the team. Uh, Drysdale was better. I thought Tom, Thomas Harley is probably my favorite defenseman on Team Canada. You'll see him a big 6'6 defenseman. 
he buried one last night, but he's, he's good. Uh, Baron, you know, nobody, no defenseman really had to shine last night because the puck was never in Canada's end. I mean, the shot, Jeremy only had 15 shots for the entire game. So, but that's just one thing to keep an eye. I did not like Byram, Byram's game last night. Um, as a whole, they won 16 to two, but I didn't think they're very crisp. I thought they kind of played sloppy, which is to be expected. Like, like I mentioned right off the top, them not playing for so long, they're bound to be rusty. And I thought they were, they'll get their kinks out. They, have, they play tonight against Slovakia. So back to back, let's see how the legs are for, for the, for the boys. But um, yeah, I just think they're a little sloppy. I didn't like Byram's game. Um, and one, but a couple of things I did like their penalty kill was fantastic really aggressive. They didn't let Germany set up, you know, Germany, when you're playing these teams that are clearly undermanned, what you can't do is let them beat you on special teams. And they, they let in one power play goal. It's on a five minute power play, but they didn't let Stutzla, they didn't let Paterka, Elias really get set. And that's what you have to do. They, uh, they, they, they hounded them the whole night. They got the puck, they had a guy on them. The puck was out quick or they just swarmed to the puck and they didn't let them get set up. And you can't give a guy like Tim Stutzla, you know, place to operate. So getting his face, getting his grill, they did that effectively. He was clearly frustrated to see him break a couple of sticks last night, you know, slamming the door. It's obviously an embarrassing 16 to two loss, but a really, really solid effort by their penalty kill. I think that bodes well for later on the tournament when they play better teams, but for, for first game as a team really against its first game of the tournament, I thought their penalty could look well. Um, a couple of players that really stood out to me, Dawson Mercer, I mean, he came in as the 13th forward last night, returning player. He played great, scored a shorthanded goal early in the first period. He drew really, really aggressive on pucks. And I would say the two best players last night were the two Newfoundlanders, uh, him and Alex Newhook. Uh, Cousins had six points. Obviously he was great, but uh, I think I just like Newhook and Mercer's game. Uh, Newhook, showed some really high end skill and his ability to finish around the net with two kind of backhander goals, just breaking through the defenseman. And you know, Mercer is just, he's an every, he's an every man. You know, he works his ass off out there. He'll hit, he obviously plays penalty kill. And I think he'll get a bigger role as the tournament goes along. Cause like he can plug and play on lines and just add a different dimension. When you get into a quarterfinal, say they end up playing the Czech Republic or, Sweden, you want to have somebody that can go out there, make an impact, kind of lay the body on the defenseman and make the whole the whole night a tough a tough one. So I think Mercer played great last night. Again, Newhook from Boston College looked great. Um, Dylan Cousins, obviously, with Kirby Doc out for the tournament, I think Cousins is going to have to step up and he took a, a step in the right direction last night. You know, Hattrick along with three assists. But just beyond the statistics, I think he, he's just clearly – he jumps off the page when you're watching the game. I think he's NHL ready. I think he'll play in Buffalo this year after this tournament. Um, but he he just looked – he looked fantastic last night. Um, and he he's a guy that's going to have to step up. And obviously, they, they changed the lineups with McMichael, Perfetti, Peyton Krabs playing together. And then they had Cousins with Holloway and uh, Newhook. And that, that it was a great line. They moved Pelche down, which I still don't love. I wish they hadn't have done that. 
because I think it could have been their shutdown line. But you know, we saw we saw some great we saw some great performances last night from the likes of Mercer, Newhook, as I mentioned. Philip Tomasino had four points. He was a healthy scratch in their only pre-tournament games. So that just shows that just shows the depth that Canada has in their lineup. And uh, it's, it's, re- it's really incredible uh, what, what they were able to do last night. Um, another player I really like is Peyton Krebs. He's moved to the top line, like I said, playing with Connor McMichael and Cole Perfetti. And he's, he's fantastic. He's a, a really good, really good, really good player. I, he just works really hard and um, he should be a real key contributor for Canada. I think it was two goals last night. One shouldn't have counted, but nevertheless, he's a, he's a guy to look out for, but all in all a 16 to win, you can't complain about a 16 to two win. I thought Canada brought it the whole game from jump. Um, One thing I forgot to mention early in the first period, Braden Schneider defenseman, was ejected from the game for a hit to the head. And this was about 11.20 into the first period. Um, he left, got a five-minute and a game. Um, knowing the double IHF, he likely won't play tonight. I think he'll be suspended one game. And I'm okay with that decision because I know he's a really big kid and the guy he hit is a lot smaller. But what I, what I, when I'm okay with this, I'm okay with suspension because – his first contact is with the head. What I don't like about suspensions is if a player hits somebody right in the chest and then it falls through and you just kind of ride up and hit a guy's head. I don't think you can really control that. I think that's just momentum here. His first contact was with the player's head. The player did not dip his head. He stayed parallel with Schneider and it just, it didn't look great. Obviously Schneider's bigger than him, but he should get a game for that. He made direct contact with the player's head. Obviously, that's not something the league, any league wants to promote, which which is checks the head. So, yeah, I I don't think that it's I, I think that's appropriate if he gets a game. Canada, he's not going to need to play for Canada, obviously. Uh, Jordan Spence, who was a healthy scratch last night, will you know become the seventh defenseman. But um, yeah, I think I think he should get a game whether he will or not, that's still to, to be determined. They're still looking at the play, the IHF. But, um, yeah, I'm fine with it being a one-game suspension. Um, but, yeah, Canada, like I said, they play Slovakia tonight in their second game. I think it should be another – probably uh, they should win handedly again. Um, also today we'll see uh, Finland play Switzerland and uh, Russia play the Czech Republic in the nightcap. So a good day of, of hockey at the World Juniors, but to start, Canada couldn't have had a better start, really. Six, 16 to 2 win. You know, I mentioned some of the things I didn't like, but you know, a lot of guys got on the board. That's good to see. One thing I I like to see Canada do is play a tough team to start their tournament. Um, a couple in Vancouver two years ago, they started their tournament against Denmark and they won big 14 to nothing. And they really got complacent. They played Russia in their last game of the preliminary round, lost, then lost to Finland in the quarterfinal. and was kind of a quick exit for them out of the tournament. And it, I think Germany would have been tougher, so I'm not going to grow them a ton because Canada gets a lot of say in their tournament and how it's set up. And there's a reason they didn't play on Christmas Day. They get to choose when they play, when, when, you're, when you're the uh, host. So 
I think Germany would have been tougher, but if they could have played the Finns the first game, I would have preferred that just because I think Slovakia and Switzerland will be easy wins. And I just worry about, like I said, the tournament in Vancouver and Victoria. And if they come into that game a little flat and then that kind of leads into the to their quarterfinal matchup against you know, Czech Republic or you know a player, a team to be named later. So that would that could have been improved for me. But like I said, tonight, seven o'clock. Team Canada will get their second game of the tournament against the Slovaks. Slovakia is 1-0 as well. They beat Switzerland 1-0 on opening day. So anytime you get to watch these kids, it's fun. So another opportunity, maybe Bowen Byram will play better and I can come and be nicer to him tomorrow. But um, we'll see what what, what happens tonight. Um, but yeah, um, so moving on from there, this, this weekend we also saw a bunch of NFL action. Uh, Christmas, we saw history. Alvin Kamara became the first, became the fourth running back in NFL history to score six touchdowns in a game. Six rushing touchdowns, uh, all against the Minnesota Vikings, who gave up 550 yards total for the game. They were just steamrolled. And, you know, Kamara, great game. He could have had seven. Uh, Peyton could have let him run another one in, but that didn't happen. But the bigger thing for me is that. I don't think the saints are going to do anything in the playoffs. You know, they're currently second in the NFC with the game behind the Packers um, with a game to go against Carolina, which should be a win. So they should likely finish second play either Arizona or the bears in the first round of the playoffs. But Drew Brees, he wasn't great before the injury. He was using a lot of dink and dunk, you know, passes and he just looks tentative. You know, he's coming off 11 broken ribs. Who can blame him? But yesterday, th- through two really, really ugly interceptions, uh, both completely his fault. You know, sometimes the receiver just doesn't catch it or runs the wrong route. These ones were on Breeze. He just underthrew his receiver, and they're intercepted. Uh, and he's scared. You know, he's trying to protect himself when he's getting hit, which I can understand that completely. But – I, I don't think they have enough offense to propel them and their defense has shown some leakage in the past couple of weeks against the Eagles. They weren't great against Kansas city, obviously. Then yesterday, even Kirk cousins had a good game. Uh, he was obviously boiling over with the frustration over his defense, but he threw, t- he threw uh, two touchdowns. Dalvin cook ran into. So the saints, I think they have one game left the regular season. So they're not going to have a lot of time to improve Michael Thomas Hopefully we'll be back for wild card weekend. There's no promises there yet, but I don't, I think it's going to be very difficult for, for this team to win. And with teams like green Bay, who can score offensively, you can, you know, green Bay's already beat new Orleans this year in week three, when Drew Brees was healthy and they were sort of firing in all cylinders. Tampa Bay has really shown me a little a little more in the past couple of weeks, obviously they've beaten some bad teams. So take that with a grain of salt, but I think they can outscore new Orleans, especially if their defense is starting to slow down. Um, and uh, even, you know, Seattle, I don't trust any team in the NFC East, uh, NFC West. Uh, Seattle's just okay. So is the Rams and so is Arizona. So all those teams are, can get got any, any day of the week. So, New Orleans, it's better that they're in the NFC and not the AFC because I just think the AFC is loaded with really good teams. But they're definitely – it's going to be tough for them to win, I think. So they're going to have to 
find an extra gear here going into the playoffs, or they could be a one and done like they were last year. Um, I mentioned the Buccaneers. Tom Brady in the Bucs, they came back against Atlanta last week, which I mentioned on the podcast. But yesterday they clinched the playoff spot, ending a 13-year playoff drought for the Buccaneers franchise. Um, just a destruction, just a they mauled the Detroit Lions 47 to 7. I watched the first half. That's all I really needed to watch. It was it was ugly. Tom Brady went 22 for 27, 348, four touchdowns in the first half. He didn't play the second half. And, you know, I think it's great for Brady. Obviously, like a good shining game for him. He's played two great games in a row, but against Atlanta and Detroit, so like I said, grain of salt. Um, but the Bucs are starting to show signs. You know, Mike Evans, another two touchdowns receptions yesterday. He's... I think he's got 13 or 14 for the season. You know, Gronk had two touchdowns. He looks like he's finding his legs a little bit. Leonard Fournette starting to run the ball better. Um, and they just seem like they're finding their groove. And obviously a new team, they need to time to gel. And they, it seems like they're gelling at the right time here. They got Atlanta to finish the year, so that should be another win. And then they head into wild card weekend where they may play uh, Seattle, uh, potentially a Washington football team if they can clinch – clinched the division today with a win over Carolina. But I wouldn't want to play Tampa Bay, especially Brady. I know he's not in New England, but in the playoffs, I mean, he's the greatest playoff performer in NFL history. You know, his resume speaks for itself. I don't think he's the GOAT, but he's the greatest playoff performer in the history. You know, Joe Montana, four rings, four MVPs, no picks, four nos. I like that better than six and three, but... We'll that, save that debate for another day. But, um, yeah, I, I think the Bucs are a real threat. Green Bay, they play Tennessee this evening, Sunday Night Football. That should be a great game. Um, I think it's a test for Green Bay. They've kind of lost to some, some – but they lost to Tampa Bay earlier in the year. They beat New Orleans. That was a good win, but they lost to Indianapolis um, up with a two-touchdown lead at halftime. So, to play Derrick Henry, that the defense who struggles – against the run. I think it's, it's a good test to see what they can bring to the table tonight, especially Aaron Rodgers coming off a not so great game against Carolina last Saturday. So uh, they can lock up first in the NFC. They can have home field throughout the playoffs if, with a win tonight. So big opportunity for Green Bay to kind of lock in their place themselves in the, in the catbird seat and uh, have a buy as well. So that, that would be big, big for them. And, uh, for Rodgers, obviously he's 37. He's not a spring chicken, but he's playing great. Looks like he might win the MVP. So another another big one there. Second game of the day yesterday, the Arizona Cardinals. A real frustrating game for them. Um, they they come into the game with the final spot, the NFC wild the NFC wild card, uh, with a, a eight and six record. Sorry, they lose yesterday to San Francisco. San Francisco was playing C.J. Beathard, the third-string quarterback. Uh, George Kittle returned, but they were without Raheem Mostert, you know, without some key weapons. Kittle came back for them yesterday, like I mentioned, but just a frustrating game for Kyler Murray. Uh, he had an opportunity to tie the game late, but through a red zone interception. Uh, he was running great yesterday using his legs, but the San Francisco defense just did not give in. Um, C.J. Beathard through three touchdowns, two to fullback Kyle Juszczyk, which I love to see. I like to see the fullbacks get involved in the action. Um, 
but a tough loss for Arizona. Obviously, division games are tough. I've mentioned that before. You never know what's going to happen in a divisional game. And it, obviously, San Francisco, That's I think that's a good feeling for them. They've had a tough season with injuries and coming off a Super Bowl appearance last year. But to be able to screw over a divisional opponent is never a bad thing, and it could cost Arizona the, the playoffs. You know, they're now eight and seven. The Bears are seven and seven with, with a win. The Bears play Jacksonville today. If the Bears win, they will get the final NFC Walker uh, spot going into the last week. Uh, the Bears play the Packers. Arizona plays the Rams. So it's going to be a dogfight here for these for these teams that they need wins. Arizona needs some help here to to make it, and just something to watch down the stretch because. Um, a lot of still a lot of intriguing opportunities. Obviously, but, uh, Chicago started off the year five and one. They were kind of they had a lot of fire going through them. They're really confident, and that's since really deflated because uh, just the quarterback switch from Trubisky to Foles, Matt Nagy's incompetent play calling. But we've seen running back David Montgomery really pick up steam lately. Trubisky who's always been the better option at quarterback than Nick Foles for this team. I don't know why they made that decision. He's played better, protected the football, and playing against a one-win Jacksonville team today who has no incentive to win, knowing that if they lose their final two games, they will get the number one pick in the draft. I suspect that we will see a Bears victory today. Um, and then the final game of the day, just a crazy, crazy game. Um, Dolphins at Raiders. And – Throughout the whole game, both teams really couldn't score in the red zone. The one red zone touchdown we saw was the Dolphins start off the second half to tie the game at 13, but Tua Tagovailoa, the Dolphins starter, really wasn't getting anywhere, had 94 yards in the fourth quarter passing, only 94 yards passing. Derek Carr was getting yardage, you know, big plays, but he couldn't score in the red zone. The Miami defense just kept stalling him. And the uh, Vegas went up. 16-13. So at this point, there's about eight minutes left in the game. We suspect to see Tua come back on the field, but Miami makes a switch to Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is the second time they've done this since they've removed Fitzpatrick as the starter. They switched Tua in a Denver game. Fitzpatrick kind of came in to give them a spark. He had a chance to win the game late, and he uh, had a final drive to win the game, but he was intercepted in the end zone. He ultimately didn't work, but you know, it's a gutsy decision. You have a veteran quarterback and you have a rookie. You know, it can really hurt his confidence, but Brian Flores has been gutsy all year. It's a must-win game for the Dolphins. They come into the game 9-5. and five. They need to win out to make the playoffs, and, uh, you know, they had to win this game. So they go on the drive. Tua really was stalling, like I mentioned, but Fitzpatrick just started slinging it. That's what he does. He plays with no fear. Through two big – Third down conversion of Mike Gusecki, the great tight end, right over the middle. Very next play, throws a deep ball to Gusecki, gets the ball. He's tackled at the four-yard line, and you see the Dolphins' sidelines just sparked again. But they're unable to convert. You know, they have three chances at uh, first goal, second goal, third goal, can't convert, and they settle for a field goal. So 16-16. So Vegas gets the ball back with about five and a half minutes left. First play goes nowhere. Next play, Derek Carr, who got injured last Thursday night. He's kind of, you can tell he doesn't want to take hits, but he's scrambling. He's holding the ball, waiting for something to open up. And he kind of throws this, he's one down the field to Nelson Aguilar. 
Aguilar makes a great catch. Byron Jones, just terrible coverage. Just was playing press coverage, giving too much space. Aguilar is incredibly quick. Jukes around him. He goes 85 yards to the house for a score. And, you know, at this point I was watching, I'm like, oh, Dolphins are done. You know, it's like three and a half minutes left. I'm like, they're, they're toast. But, of course, Daniel Carlson misses the extra point for, for Vegas. So now they're up 22-16, and, and then I was thinking, well, Miami, they get the ball the rest of the game, go down there, touchdown, extra point, they win. But it only took two plays. Fitzpatrick threw the ball to Miles Gaskin, the running back. He makes a great catch, makes two guys miss, and basically does a sideline run down the right side and goes 75 yards to the house. And he, he tiptoed his way down there, did not step out of bounds. Extra point, Miami's up 23-22 with two and a half minutes left. However, Vegas did have all three timeouts. Miami had two. So they did leave Vegas with a lot of time on the clock. Um, and again, I'm thinking, well, Vegas, all they got to do is get a field goal. Of course, their second play, uh, right before the two-minute warning, Derek, Call, Derek Carr throws the ball down the field. Byron Jones, again, the guy who screwed up in the Aguilar play, gets called for pass interference on no other than Aguilar. The ball is placed at the 20, and Vegas keeps moving the ball. Miami burns their two timeouts, There's, and it's third and goal. And this is really – this is the decision teams make. When you have no time on the clock and a team have no timeouts, you can kind of – Run the, run the ball and you stop running and you get touched and you can let the clock run out. And that, that's what Vegas was trying to do. However, there was about a minute left on their third and goal play. So if you run the ball, it was a minute and four seconds. So if you stop the ball, they ran the third and goal play and Josh Jacobs ran the ball, right? And he stops at the one and sits down. So with a minute four left, he stops. There's 40 seconds until the next play. So it runs out, right? Vegas calls a timeout fourth and goal. Teams, this is really a big decision because you can decide to kick the field goal and there's Miami had no timeouts, 23 seconds. You're thinking, okay, we're going to go up by one, the field goal, 25, or sorry, I'll go up by two, 25, 23, we'll win the game. Teams do do this. And we've seen some teams get burned with score touchdowns and get the opposing team enough time to come back and win, which I understand. But in my opinion, you got to score the touchdown there. You Josh Jacobs should have ran the ball in. I really don't understand why John Gruden told him to sit down. I get it that it's only 23 seconds. Miami had no timeouts, but it's, you got to score points. You want to go up by as many as you can. And if you score a touchdown in that situation, Miami needs a touchdown, not a field goal. If you, if you let, if you just score a field goal, go up by two, even with 23 seconds, you can heave one down the field. If you get a pass interference penalty, you only need to feel you need to get in a field goal range. That's way easier to do than score a touchdown with even 50 seconds. I mean, Fitzpatrick's in at quarterback. He's not exactly uh, Tom Brady in the two minute drill. So the defense, the Vegas defense have been solid, you know, not great, but solid all game. And they decide, like I said, they decide to stop the one Josh Jacobs sits down. They run the clock out to 26 seconds. They use their second timeout and Daniel Carlson comes out, kicks a 20-yard field goal, and they go up 25-23. So 23 seconds left on the clock for the Dolphins. Again, I'm thinking, okay, well, 
Fitzpatrick, like they're done. Like 23 seconds, no timeout. It's not going to have enough plays. First play. <laughs> First play. Fitzpatrick's kind of looking for we're looking for something, and they run this little play where they have a he's a tight end wider, he's a tight end turn wide receiver, Matt Collins, won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. He's running outside to the left. He just basically sits down at the 45-yard line. And he he sits there. Nobody covered him. Nobody really saw him. He sits there, makes a catch, gets pushed out of bounds. So stop clocks. The clock stops. Perfect play for the Dolphins. However, on this play, Vegas D lineman grabbed Fitzpatrick like by the face mask like this, yanking him down. And he somehow made the throw. I don't know how he did it because his body was falling down. Incredible play. Go look it up. On, uh, watch SportsCenter this morning because Fitzpatrick's body was going the opposite way and he threw the ball. Somehow it got to, to Mac Hollins. So a completed catch. But because there's a, a face mask in the, in the, while he was throwing the ball, 15 yards was added to where the ball was spotted. So this is the 45. It goes down to the 30 of Vegas. John Gruden is losing his mind on the Vegas sideline. And the Dolphins run one more play. They don't get any yards. Clock stops, six seconds left. Jason Sanders comes out for a 45-yard field goal, puts him through the uprights. The Dolphins win 26-25. Incredible game. I was like, okay, I'm going to bed. Like last time, I'm ready to go to bed. And I couldn't. It was just incredible theater. And this is what the NFL brings so many times this year. For Vegas, it's got to be incredibly frustrating because they should have won the game. They had it. They had it. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, Gruden signed a 10-year deal three years ago, but they just fell apart. You know, they played that t- great. They played Kansas City great and almost beat them. They beat them once this year, almost beat them twice. And since then, we haven't really seen it from Vegas. They're now seven and eight, one game left on their schedule. It's irrelevant. They, with a loss last night, they're eliminated from playoff contention. And, you know, we could see some big switches in, in, in Vegas. I don't know. I can't see them firing Chucky, John Gruden, but maybe Derek Carr won't return as quarterback, but they have some tough decisions there. But the bigger pitcher, Miami gets the win. They improved to 10 and five. Uh, obviously Baltimore plays the game plays today against the New York giants. I suspect they'll win that game, but if the, if Miami beats Buffalo in week 17, which is no easy task, they got to go to Buffalo. They'll make the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Uh, Brian Flores said after the game that Tua Tagovailoa will start next week. He said, you know, if we need to bring in Fitz, we will. He basically used the analogy of him as a ninth inning closer that if we need him, he's always ready to go. Um, And it's incredibly valuable to have a player like Fitz. And I think two has really embraced him because he was just as excited. He was happy. They won. Obviously he wants to make the playoffs. He wants to, uh, Tua knows that he'll likely start the playoff game if they get there. So just an incredible game. Uh, the dolphins improved 10 to five big game for Baltimore today to keep pace with them. But, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of big games still to come today. Like I said, vague, uh, Giants, Baltimore, big game, Pittsburgh and Indianapolis today. Uh, that's Indianapolis can punch their ticket to the playoffs with a win. Pittsburgh has lost three in a row. They really need to find some life and to beat a good team, I think would do a lot for their confidence. 
Uh, Browns can lock up a playoff spot today. They're without their top uh, four wide receivers just due to uh, COVID contact tracing. So they're going to be undermanned today. They have to use their tight ends a lot. So that'd be interesting to watch. They are playing the Jets. So they should be okay. But yeah, uh, some, and like I said, Tennessee Green Bay to finish off the night. So just some great sports action yesterday. Uh, obviously, Team Canada will get their second game in tonight. Uh, and NFL slate, uh, also uh, NBA, full slate NBA today. Uh, and uh, if you can watch the Brooklyn Nets, watch them. You know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, 2-0 to start the year. They both look fantastic. So um, a lot of great sports action. NHL returning on January 13th. But well, uh, I'll be back on here tomorrow. We'll be talking about um, today's action, obviously Canada, the NFL, and I'll probably throw in some NBA too. But um, have a great day, everybody, and we'll talk soon.